When life throws you a curveball, how are you going to handle adversity? Welcome to the Fearless Mindset Podcast, where you're about to go on a journey as I interview security, business, and entertainment leaders on what it takes to stay fearless. I'm your host, Mark Ludlow, and enjoy today's episode. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Ludlow with the Fearless Mindset Podcast, and it's five days, I think, before Christmas, four days before Christmas. And I hope you guys have been enjoying uh, the Dean Stout releases all December. He just brought a different type of flavor to the show and called out a few different uh, people, not in a bad way, but in a good way. And I hope you guys are enjoying the uh, the episodes and the podcast. And, you know, today we're going to we're going to change it up a little bit. Um, I was on LinkedIn and uh, saw a post. Uh, Alexandria posted on LinkedIn. I didn't realize, but she was at the Close Protection Conference. But what I wanted to do is kind of do a a wrap up of experiences that she had at that conference and uh, kind of share her experience, what she's been dealing with in the industry from a woman's perspective. And, you know, it was, uh, I think we had probably more ladies turned out for the Close Protection Conference in Vegas. Uh, That was about four or five weeks ago. And then everybody, some of us caught the flu, which I did. So it kind of sucked, but it was a good turnout overall. And it was just good to see those faces. But Alexandria, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, thanks for your time. And uh, we pulled this off before Christmas. Thank you for having me, Mark. So glad to be here. You bet. You bet. Um, um, what you, first of all, um, what was your overall thoughts after your first time attending the Public Protection Conference? Loved it. Uh, So glad I was able to attend this year. I found it well organized. I found the talks to be informative. Um, Awesome meeting a lot of people who I was connected with via LinkedIn, uh, as well as meeting a ton of new people. So the networking was probably the the most thing you took away from it, right? And And the panel, you said. Absolutely. The panels and the networking, for sure. What what talk on the panel stuck with you the most that you enjoyed the most and why? Probably the panel regarding regulating the industry, regarding the board um, looking to, you know, um, put measures in place wherein um, there would be standards and, um, you know, regulations and things would be more, uh, you know, streamlined across all states. I think that right. was one of the, the, the best panels that I attended. Yeah. Here, here's my argument with that is this, all states have their own laws and licensing, right? Mm-hmm. Like Oregon, you gotta have, you have to have an executive manager license to conduct business and security in Oregon. You have to show in true proof of insurance, your own liability. But what I find is in this industry, which is very scary, there's a lot of companies that don't even carry worker comp insurance. Oh, I just 1099 my guys. Mm. I'm like, wait a minute. You 1099 your guys. Well, what happens when that agent gets hurt on the job on your your watch? When it comes to medical bills, they're just going to follow the money train, the money trail. And when they go to collect on the medical bills in the hospital, say they got stabbed or hurt, thrown on the ground. Some some homeless person stabbed them with a syringe. They're mm-hmm. in the hospital. Who's going to pay that bill? 
And you're, you're, you're absolutely correct. And, you know, and I think that's why there needs to be more oversight within this industry. I, I mean, you know, like you said a minute ago, you know, it, it varies state to state what you even need to operate as a, a protection officer. I know where I am in the Baltimore, D.C. area. Uh, you know, one state does not recognize another state's uh, certifications, right? Reciprocity is so random um, yeah, and it's, it's all over the place. So I would love to see things be, you know, more streamlined and, um, you know, more straightforward. Yeah, I, I can see what came to my mind is, you know, how retired police officers get their HR 218 badge. Yes. And they go, oh, I have a retired badge. So they naturally think, well, I can work with anybody across any state line in a working capacity. And there's a school of thought that says, uh, no, you can't. You have to have licenses in each state to do that. And the school of thought comes back and says, well, I have an HR 218. I can, I can cover my client anywhere with that right. retired. But I was like, well, you still need to get a license. And there's such a pushback. Mm-hmm. On that, I've heard so many different conversations on that. But yeah, you're right. There, there's so many people in this industry that take advantage of what people don't know. Absolutely, yeah. You know what I would love to see in the future at the conference, Mark. I'd love to see a way that the organizers can foster networking between newcomers. And, you know, industry insiders, and I'll share more about what I mean. You know, when I was there, um, I really made an effort to speak with as many people as possible. Uh, These were new faces. And just as I'm a new face to, you know, people who've been in this industry. And that takes a lot, you know, to walk up to someone cold and introduce yourself and initiate a conversation, you know. It, it can be a little daunting. You know, there were times when it was tempting to, you know, stand along the wall and and just observe and just take everything in. So I almost had to force myself at times to, you know, get out there and shake hands. And I'd love to see something like, um, you know, maybe some um, icebreaker, as corny as that probably sounds, you know, some icebreaker index cards or whatever handed out kind of maybe with a little push question to, you know, help us initiate conversations, uh, you know, with new people. Just to help you get out of the comfort zone of breaking the ice and just having that. Hi, my name is Alexandria. Oh, hi, Mark. Nice to meet you. Where are you from? Just get over that hurdle. Because a lot of people are very introverted and they're shy. They don't even know how to start that dialogue. Absolutely. And, you know, another thing I noticed, actually, I'm coming from the events industry myself. Prior to joining the force, um, I was an event planner, event producer uh, for many years. And, um, you know, that entailed uh, running the events uh, on the day of. And I can tell you from my observations, most times people tend to gravitate towards who they already know. Either they came with this group of people and they're sticking with them or they recognize a familiar face and that's, you know, who they group with um, at events like this. So, it, you know, it's it's only natural. And that said, you know, it, it merges with what I was saying a minute ago that having, you know, having some sort of plan, having, you know, a few little 
things that will assist us in connecting with with you know strangers right um in real time i think would um would be nice yeah get everybody comfortable being uncomfortable <laughs> right because we're so used to doing these things i think virtually you know it's it's uh, you know technology has been a huge i think factor you know in most of our lives and we're used to you know dealing right making deals with people via email via phone and having relationships that we, that are not in person as much anymore because of technology which is great but it it can also make things awkward when we are forced to have that sort of um old fashioned meet and greet in person yeah, I think you're right. We got all spoiled being on Zoom, pandemic, we're locked home. So we did FaceTime, we did Zoom calls, WebRs, whatever, WebInx, whatever we're doing. And now we're forced back into the face-to-face like, oh, shoot. And I think maybe some of us are a little insecure because we, I put on some weight, I got on the scale. I'm like, holy cow, <laughs> man, I, I put on some weight. I'm like, okay. I think everybody, because of that, going, okay, I got, I got to get back from the gym now. I got I to gotta get my back to my fighting weight, you know, to, to, in, to be in that professional work environment to feel good about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of it. But we, we feel, I think everybody's still a little insecure because they just don't feel like they used to. And everybody went through the pandemic. We got used to being home. And now everybody's socializing again. We almost forgot how to do that because we're so used to being socializing on what? Social media. LinkedIn and Facebook. And that's, you know, I see, I see so many people now, they just interact via text message, group text, and people don't even want to talk on the phone anymore. Yes. I hate texting because it's so impersonal. Yes. And, but I call texting the lazy way to communicate. (laughs) I like that. Yes, it, it certainly can be. But I, I see where the bonuses of the text messaging come, you know, for communication. Like, hey, I'll be there in five minutes. Okay. You don't have to make a phone call about that. But I think we we lost our cut, our we lost the communication part of networking and building those relationships because of the pandemic. It just kind of froze us into that cyber world. Yeah, probably a combination of the pandemic and the fact that, you know, things really have been heading this way for some time with you know, texting, as you said, and all the various apps, you know, social media as well that people are, you know, communicating on and sort of choosing to interact with others on. Um, so that real time in person has been lessened. Like I have, I, you know, I use my Facebook page for my podcast for my business. Mm-hmm. I'm hardly ever on there. And I'll go sometimes maybe, maybe a day, two days. I'm not even on Facebook because I'm traveling, moving, meetings and all that. And then I'm trying to get a hold of you. My response is, if you have my number, call me. Yeah. And I think so many people lost that. Make a phone call. Pick up the phone and make a phone call. Well, I hate talking on the phone. Well, get over it. If you really want to thrive in the business world, people want to see you face-to-face, and they want to hear your voice. Quit hiding behind the laptop. Quit hiding behind the text message. Quit hiding behind LinkedIn. And you got to do face-to-face. I mean... The close protection conference was a good measure of that because I think they have the most exhibitors they've ever had at that conference. Yes. And even Chuck made a mention of that. He goes, man, I, I kind of, if you knew what I've been through, you know, shout out to Chuck Randolph at the close protection conference and the president of the board now. Um, 
he told me some things in private. I won't discuss in this podcast, but I know his heart and soul is in the Close Protection Conference along with the board. You know, they they spend a lot of hours, you know, Kristen and Fonda behind the scenes doing their stuff and all the board members, you know, I'm not going to name them all right now, but they they do so much to, you know, make the industry a better place. And, you know, we didn't see the, you know, the amount of money investments for them to even, you know, conduct a conference. And they had 300, a couple hundred people show up. They're like, okay, we didn't make any money this year. You know, they're a nonprofit, right? But the amount of money it goes into preparation and who who's going to be the speakers, who's not going to be the speaker, who's not, who's not going to be invited. And you have all those inner politics things, but, you know, you have to look at it for the greater good for the industry because, you know, you got we got the younger generation coming in and the industry needs, you know, solid people. And you need to, you know, have these speakers on the panel to educate, inspire and give hope to the, the younger EP operators or coming in, in the industry like yourself this is this was your first year attending right correct and you you were pretty impressed with what they put together absolutely yeah yeah i really was and uh, you didn't know anybody you've been in the ep industry how long maybe a couple years a year yeah and what what drew you to the executive protection being a, being a lady <laughs> being a lady you know i stumbled upon it honestly i forget exactly how but um, I'm very excited that I did. I love that it's a culmination of not only my law enforcement side of my career, but also uh, it encompasses the part of my career prior to joining the force in which I spent so much time cultivating relationships, you know, client facing presentations, general business acumen. Um, you know, the, the law enforcement is great. It gives you the hard skills, but you got to be able to talk to people as well. And you got to be able to, um, understand your role. And I think that the more experience you have life experience, uh, that makes an effective agent. So is lack, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead, Mark. What do you think is lacking from your corporate background? being an event planner and production and all that, what do you think is lacking from the EP side of the house that agents really don't realize they need to speak the language to the corporate culture and those potential clients? What does the corporate clients want to hear from the EP industry that they're not getting? Uh, I'll touch on a couple points there. You know. Okay. One thing I think that's necessary as an agent is a concierge mentality, wherein uh, the agent understands that it's not about them and the agent understands their place, which can vary. You know, that that changes just as in law enforcement, we, you know, as the tide ebbs and flows, we we change with it as well. Um, so there needs to be an understanding that, you know, sometimes we'll be able to laugh and and joke around, um, you know, when that's invited, when that's appropriate, et cetera. A general understanding of uh, taking cues from the principal. Right. Um, whereas, you know, a lot of times there can be that mentality, especially coming from military or law enforcement, that, you know, I'm it, you know, I'm the. Um, I'm the star, right? So that's one thing I wanted to touch on is 
a concierge mentality versus, you know, I'm coming in here like guns blazing, you know, I'm coming in here and, <laughs> you know, I'm coming in here and, you know, let's, you know, drive fast and right. You know, instead of reading the room, reading the room, instead of, yeah, right. Instead of doing, you know, just, just what's upon you, just, just going with the flow. Right. So having that ability to read the room, I think is, is really critical. Um, and having that sort of concierge mindset. So that's a lot what I take from the private sector, uh, because it is very much, you know, in the field I was in, um, events production, it is very much um, a concierge type of of service, really. Um, so that honed that. Um, I think also, you know, to answer your question about, you know, about business and about and about, you know, that corporate mindset, it just makes you more well-rounded. You know, I feel like the more experience that one has, the more experience that one can, you know, bring to the table you know, it, it builds your confidence and it enables you to interact with, um, so many, you know, so many different people. So having, you know, having like C-suite, you know, client facing experience, um, just gives me that confidence that, you know, I'm in the right place. I know that I belong here because I've, I've done it, you know, I've, I've already sort of, you know, accomplished that. And, you know, then the law enforcement hard skills are, I guess, what kind of gets me in the door, right? Into, into executive protection. But I think what will ultimately keep me, you know, in this sphere is that well-roundedness. So that's something, you know, I sort of encourage in this field is to, you know, do some introspection and see what qualities one brings to the table in addition to the hard skills. Nowadays, everyone likes to use the, you know, these terms, hard skills, soft skills, but we're talking about, you know, um, when we say hard skills, we're talking about the shooting and the driving and the defensive tactics and, you know, soft skills encompasses all of that. you know, personality and reading the room and, you know, business acumen. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> wow. That's a lot of uh, notes there for the listeners. But I'm going to go, I'm going to take it to a little a next level. What okay. is your biggest turnoff in the EP industry? First off, the number of females in the EP industry is is so few. It's It's even fewer than... The number of females in law enforcement. True. Uh, so I'm already used to that, yeah. but you know, for sure, that would be a turnoff that that's at the top of the list. Um, right. You know, the women bring so many aspects um, to a role that are so valuable that it's really a shame to see so few in this industry. Um, and I think that that can, that in and of itself can be a turnoff for women looking to enter the industry because we're not seeing ourselves represented. Good point. Very yeah. Welcome. Thank you. Um, you know, women, not only as agents, are we able to do the, the basic functions, you know, such as a company, a female, uh, principal, um, you know, into areas a male agent couldn't, um, but female agents also um, bring such a different, I think, perspective um, in that, 
you know, the way that a female responds, I'll just, you know, equate it to a law enforcement, you know, example, the way that a female responds is often naturally more of a de-escalation. You know, I mean, I can think of so many um, calls for service that I've been on Mm -hmm. wherein, and, and it's like, it's no offense to, you know, the males out there, but mm-hmm. oftentimes, you know, you guys, you know, get excited and, you know, want to, you know, show off this and that, um, and kind of almost escalate a situation where in a female response is generally the opposite It's generally naturally de-escalating the situation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like one reason that is, is just because men and women are different. And in the family, for example, you know, a woman is more of the nurturer, right, in our family structure. So these are things that are inherent qualities that are just inherent to, you know, to men and women. Um, And so I think that these are also strong suits, you know, and when we make a team, we should be looking to build teams that, okay, this person is good at this, that person is good at that, you know, a strength of this person is such and such thing, right? On and on and on. So, you know, to really have an effective team, you want to cover all the bases. And, uh, you know, women agents can be so valuable in that there are so many inherent qualities in a female, you know, then when you combine it with the hard skills, right? Like, okay, now (laughs) she's got all the, all the training behind her, you know, she's qualified just like the guys are. Yeah, and when we go through academy, speaking where I went through at least, it was the same number of push-ups, it was the same duration run, it was the same tackling move. So, you know, the perpetrators don't line up in order of smaller to, to greatest either. Um, so there's all that strength that we're bringing with our hard skills. Now, you know, we're rounding it off with, you know, again, a, a certain nurturing capacity, which can be valuable on a team. Also, another strength of female agents is just blending into an entourage. You know, nowadays in protection, principals want to have uh, a low profile. And part of keeping a low profile is having agents who blend in, right? And females certainly blend in. Female agents could appear to be the executive assistant or could appear to be a member of the family, et cetera. So these are some of the reasons why, you know, the industry is remiss in not having, you know, the proper number of females because uh, clearly we should we should be here. Right. I was just, you know, as you're explaining all that, I was thinking to myself, of all the details I've worked on, <clears throat> of all the executive assistants I've interfaced with, all the executive assistants were all ladies. Yes. I can't think of one executive assistant that was a male, a, a man. They're all predominantly majority of women. And you would think these company owners that have, you know, EP agents, you would think you'd want to have maybe a, D, a, a AIC agent in charge or DL, D, detail leader, female agent to interface with that woman executive assistant communication trust established because once you have the trust established boom you're that's a million that's worth a million dollars in in business revenue but you have to gain because that executive assistant is the gatekeeper to that client and i see so many no disrespect to our military folks i love our military i'm a you know former marine corps veteran myself 
But you would think if you want a strong team cohesiveness and synergy, you would want, um, if you have an executive assistant woman, hey, if you have an opportunity to have a stellar woman in there as a detail lead, or maybe communication liaison with your company, that could maybe help create that more of a bond in communication and trust, you know, with women and women, women just, you know, there's no emotion involved. Hey, let's get this thing done. You know? Yeah. That's just a thought. I, I, I've seen that many, many, many times where, you know, the executive assistant is dealing with the security team, you know, and uh, always dealing with the guy. I'm like, well, how come there, there should, you would think there'd be more a trust relationship with, yeah. If you had a, a male agent, I know there's, I'm going to get probably pushback on that from the industry, but you know, it just seemed like more of a culture thing than anything to have an open communication. And it seems like communication would flow better with, when you have two ladies talking with each other. I could be off on that, but any thoughts on that? I mean, I, I've seen it go both ways for sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think communication is definitely something that we need to work on as a society, you know, mm-hmm. um, having having worked in so many different arenas, I can say that not everyone is a proponent of sharing information, you know, and information is power. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, that's for sure a problem wherever, you know, wherever it is. And I, like I said, I've seen it in many different places. And, you know, all you can do is really be the change. Right. You know, so when when I see that, I, I just keep communicating. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I often, I've been in a situation where the executive assistant doesn't disseminate information to the team because it's yeah. a power thing. And they want to control what how much information the teams have about their boss. And they don't want to leak, you know, give out too much information. You know, maybe they don't trust the team or maybe they don't trust the detail lead. That's why they're not getting the information. Maybe they feel like, you know, the security team is too aggressive with them and it, it's a turnoff. Maybe that's why they're not getting the information. Who knows? Hard to say. Exactly, Mark. Who knows? I mean, one thing is sometimes people's egos get involved. And like you touched on a minute ago, they want to keep control instead of, you know, realizing, hey, we're all on the same team. And maybe that exit assistant, yeah, like you said, they don't control, they don't trust the current security provider for whatever reason. That's why the executive assistant not getting information out. She, he or she does not trust you to give you that information. Why? I don't know. You, you provide security services, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think that's the biggest problem I've seen in the industry. My 15 years of being in the industry have been, you know, communication issues, breakdown, or just trying, um, maybe the, one of the agents upset, said something that's inappropriate in the culture. Who knows? But I think once you get that open communication, it changes the dynamic. And I know Michael Trott book, The Protected. I worked with him on it. Uh, one of the largest uh, rural family details in Beverly Hills. That thing went on for like three months. We had the most, I think, one, most women of any detail in the United States on that detail. Really? Yeah. And it was, you know, the Middle Eastern family. And he had a Sri Law thing going on there. And so naturally, due to culture issues, you had to, you know, have women representative. But, you know, it was probably, it was challenging for Mike. I'm not going to go into too much detail. Did you read, you read the book and he talks about it. So I'll give it a little uh, plug for Michael Trott on that one. But he taught me a lot just watching him lead by example. You know, he's former 
Uh, he's on the uh, security team protecting the family, uh, the director of CIA, George Tennant. So he's on that team. And he just taught me a lot on how he watched and processed things and stuff like that. And I just sit back like, whoa, this is what a true detail looks like. And you have to go, it's unfortunate, you have to go through a lot of bad ones to experience a good one. Yeah, that's life, isn't it? It is. It is.